Welcome to episode 14, part two of your hearth at home. If you have yet to catch part one, I encourage you to do so, to provide context to where Ali picks up his story now. As a brief reminder, at this point, Ali and his family have just been deported from Germany back to Ukraine, where they had originally fled and claimed refugee status due to extreme encounters with racism after the collapse of the Soviet Union. I'm arriving to Ukraine and um, my mom had to, the because there were no passports, there was nothing, nothing. The Ukrainian government found my, found my mom in the system. She's a traitor. She left. She was searched. They took her necklace. They took whatever she had, the belongings, necklace. They're like, you are, you're nobody here. You're nobody. They searched me. Uh, they didn't find anything. I, I was just, I, at that point, I was just so devastated. They saw me. They didn't even touch me. They interrogated my mom, like, what do we have in Germany? Do we have anything, money? Uh, do we have any uh, real estate? Uh, nothing, nothing. So we come to Ukraine, nothing. And at the airport, my mom was able to uh, ask someone for a telephone. Uh, this was year 2003. Year 2003. I am... 15 years old, my sister is eight, and um, my mom is in her 40s. She calls my sister, my sister is in shock. She's like, wow, are you in Ukraine? She sent somebody uh, to pick us up, a friend. So we waited at the airport for hours and hours and hours, and then our friend picked up and brought us back home uh, brought us back to the apartment that my mother we still had an apartment someone else was just living there my sister's friends so we had to co-live with them for a little bit and it felt like nightmare it didn't feel real that moment was the most in my mom's life i know it was the most devastating um so we come home, we, we settle in, and every day I tried to stay calm, but every day I felt the guilt because it was intense. Mom was paralyzed. We started having neighbors that came to us uh, and bring alcohol to mom, so we started drinking. That caused more violence at home. All violence was just inflicted upon me. And I felt, I felt there's got to be a way. And so for a few days, I didn't want to go outside. And like, and she, and then I said, mom, I have money. I showed her money, those 300 euros. She says, well, you go change it. We have to have food. We don't have anything. Uh, so the moment I go outside, I see this reality. I see people look at me with, uh, disgust, uh, laughing at me, you know, even neighbors, because they uh, they see that I'm back, uh, that we are, we, nothing worked out. 
And then on my first time, the first I'm getting into the bus to go to the kiosk to change my money, the first thing that happens, the we have these conductors that check if you have a ticket. They get in and they don't see, they don't have anything. Uh, I said, I'm going, I, didn't, I spoke Russian with such bad accent, such because I wanted to forget. I say, I have a, I have a euro, I can give you a euro, which is like five tickets. And they're like, no, we're putting, we're pulling you out. We're finding you, we'll take everything from you. And I was like, if this is gonna happen, it's over. This is the last money. So they're trying to get me out of the bus and the people in the bus, they started protecting me. They're like, no, he just got in. Don't you see he's a foreigner. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know. And I, I just cried so bad. I just, I, I felt tears were just, I didn't know where I'm at. Where am I? This is, and I, they let me be in the bus. They took my Euro, they left. And then I go to the bank and I changed the money. Uh, they gave me less than supposed to, they ripped me off. And then I went to the, get some food. I didn't know how the kilograms work. They also tricked me there. I come home, my mom screams at me like, you are, you are an idiot. You can be easily manipulated and tricked. You don't know how to handle money. So I just, I just, I said, okay, I, I, I shut down. I shut down. I was in a room. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Just fasting, not eating, no appetite. Just, uh, and my, I don't want to make it all about myself. My younger sister at the time was, yeah, she, she saw it all. She, she gave me a hug. She, she was not really understanding what's going on. And she's like, well, uh, it's gonna get, it will, it will get better. Ukraine was changing a little bit. Um, they were trying to get into European Union. Um, and for me, the goal was to go to college. So I'm just fast forward through some of the things. I was told I need to go to school. Mom says, you have to go. You have to find a way to go to school. It doesn't matter. Just get yourself out. You're home. You're dysfunctional go to school. So I apply for school, any, nobody accepts me because I don't have GED, I don't have diploma, I have nothing. All I have is this school, the German school Ausweis, which is the ID card. Uh, and I asked around, nobody accepted me, maybe 12 applications, 12 schools. Until I was one of my mother's friends, she was going to this one Christian school uh, outside of, it's like a college thing. It's called UGI, uh, Ukra Ukrainian Humanitarian Institute. Uh, I went there, it's a long story, but I went there and I heard somebody speaking German 
And I knew that uh, I was told that this institute was sponsored by Germans. So when I heard them, a gentleman speak German, I ran over to them. I told them my whole story. I said, I was just deported from Germany. I'm back in Ukraine. I need to go to school. I don't have any paperwork. I have school, the school ID. Can you help me? Can you help me? So they brought me to the director of the school. And uh, the director of school looks at me. He said, well, I believe that you went in school. We can try to contact the school in Germany uh, to verify. Uh, but here, the system in Ukraine is that you're already late for the school, but we can sign you up, but you still have to provide GED of some form at the end of the school year. You have to, because there'll be commission investigation. So uh, I will let you in, but we're a Christian school. So are you Christian? <laughs> and I said, yes, well, I, I can be anyone and anything. Uh, I said, my name is Ali, my father, is a Muslim, but I have I've been I've been circumcised, but I uh, my mom is a Christian and I was baptized. I have a certificate of Orthodox uh, baptism. They said, "Well, we're a Seventh Day Adventist, uh, so we we do things differently here. And so before college starts, we have these morning ceremonies, which you will need to attend to." I said, "Yes, I'll do it." I'll join. So, so uh, the school was outside of Kiev. It was like an hour on the bus. Um, it was all very Ukrainian. Uh, the students were from most parts of Ukraine. Uh, uh, they were tolerant towards me because um, the Christian values and everything, I felt better there. And so I started going to school, uh, into college. I was academically really behind. The only thing I was excelling was German and English language. Like I was excelling everybody and everything at the time. But everything else, I was just literature. I, I mean, I could read Ukrainian, but I could never really speak properly. Uh, and I started learning, picking up. Uh, and I felt like, okay, the life is is uh, a little bit normalizing. I tried to spend more time there. Uh, and I talked to some girls. I I had few, not girlfriends, just friends that are girls. And I told them about what I went through and they were compassionate uh, towards me. And the beautiful part was the, the college was in the woods, like in a cedar, cedar forest. So it was isolated from everything. It was like its own bubble. And um, what happened um, is in 2003, as I I came back to I, weekends, I was I would spend with my mom in Kiev, and I my mom was still very uh, I mean turning into alcoholic at the time. Uh, so it was, it was tough to see the trauma and I, and then what happened is, uh, I was on, on weekend, I was walking with one of the girls 
and uh, it was more so like towards city center, Gidra Park areas, like the area that is actually known for skinheads. I didn't know at the time, and I was hit with a bottle of uh, something from skinheads and screaming that get the fuck out of the country we don't want women we don't want you to touch our women and so i lost consciousness and i i was brought to uh, emergency i had concussion and and i said to myself i have to find i i um uh, I felt paralyzed. I felt like I'm not going to, to survive. I'm just not going to survive. There was a moment I didn't mention. There was another moment where I had five knife stabs in my body. I shared photos with you. And um, the knife, uh, the, it had, I had pus coming out of my body for a month. I was dysfunctional for a month. That traumatized my mom even more. Uh, my my sister, thankfully, she uh, she was with my other sister. She didn't see much of it. I just I felt like I need to find a way to escape. I need to find a way to escape. It it kind of hurts to talk about those experiences, the the knife stabbing and concussion. But it made me, it, it woke something in me to find a way uh, to escape. And I didn't know how, because after deportation from Germany, our names were blacklisted in European Union. Um, and uh, I knew that if you want to go Australia or United States or Canada, they use, they share that the database and my mom could not leave Ukraine for 10 years, for 10 years. She's completely, she could go to Russia or Kazakhstan, but not anywhere West. I, when those things happened to me, I didn't go to college for a little bit. And when I came back, there was a silver lining. I, I heard about this program called Camp America, which was a program to take students uh, on the second year of school to United States for three months. I didn't know if the program was real or if it's not real. All I know that I have to try, and I knew somebody that came back uh, I talked to one of the college guys who came back. He said, yeah, it works. You just have to file paperwork and you have to pay $800. And I didn't know how am I going to do it. So I asked my sister, she, she, she couldn't, I mean, she didn't have that much at the time. And we were just living really on the edge. The, the average Ukrainian salary. I mean, my mom started going, looking after somebody as a caretaker and she was making $40 a month, $50 a month. So I knew it will be, it will be just not possible. But I, I believe that something may happen. So I started skipping school and I tried working construction. 
I worked for four days. I pulled my back. I understood it's not going to work. And plus, I only made uh, uh, $4 a day. I knew it's not going to happen. Uh, so the way it worked is at the end of the first, yeah, I'm, there is these timelines that I'm trying to keep track of. When I, at the end of the school year, I needed to come up with GED diploma. So I had to get my sister involved and she brought me to some school where I kind of passed fast track exams, which I failed because I don't know math. I don't know much. So we had to bribe the teacher to pass, to make it pass here. We bribed another teacher. So my sister spent money on bribing teachers and so that it shows that I passed everything and I got my GED diploma. My GED diploma is basically a bribery. Uh, and so we use that diploma to, to cover up and be accepted for the second year of college. I failed the exams of the first year of college. I only passed German, English, and uh, geography and history. The rest, and they still allow me to go second year if I, but I will need to pass exams in term, like somewhere in between the second year. And I, I've had a vision, really, there was this clear vision that I will try, I will make money. I will still qualify as a student because I knew that there is no way I'm going to pass these exams. There's studying is so hard. I'm, it's just too hard. And this is my chance to be still while still student applies a student to come to the United States and make money and just, and just find, find a way to make money as long as I'm student, because this program only applies for students. The problem is that my name was, I was, when we were deported from Germany, I was under my mom's last name. I had to change my last name to my father's last name. Uh, so I go back to my sister, help me. She pulls it off. She finds connections through mafia. They're changing my last name and I'm getting Ukrainian passport with Fundi, Ali Fundi. This is the name I came to the United States. The password was made in three days, which is unreal. In Ukrainian startup, it takes what, three days they made password. There was a lot of money spent. And my sister says, Ali, whatever it is you're doing, that's all I could help you with. So I, I started working different jobs. I worked a few days. Uh, my friend said, you can make money at the strip club. So I was 16 inviting people to the strip club in the center of Ukraine, wearing a sombrero hat. And one of the women wanted, wanted me, so she took me inside. She asked me to dance. I felt so ashamed. I was so shaken. I ran away. I left the money. I ran away. I was like, no, I have to find another way. I have to find another, another way. What is the way to... And... Uh, then I got involved with some gangs. 
uh, were selling piracy software. It's called uh, police database, like uh, basically selling database that police has, which means when somebody wants to find somebody in Ukraine, which is quite common, uh, if you take their phone number or their address, you find out their names and everything. So I became, uh, I got connected into that network of reselling software, reselling those CDs with police databases of, about people in Ukraine. I got caught by police. Uh, they, I had to bribe them. They, they were like, <laughs> I mean, it was just funny. They they called me. They're like, "Okay, you don't be afraid to be a nigger and uh, do this." So they took my money. They just let me go. Uh, they didn't beat me or anything. And I I was just I realized that I have to do it. So I continued doing it through another channel. And then my mom my mom saw that she's like, "Ali, um, I can, can connect you to foreigners that got stuck in Ukraine, but still received money from other countries. So with my passport, I became a contact for illegal people to receive money through Western Union. So in, somebody will send uh, money, let's say from Iraq or um, Mozambique, and I will receive the money, give the money to people and maybe take $5. $10. So I started doing that, uh, became trusted contact because there are many uh, undocumented people in Ukraine who got stuck, who are still trying to survive, living in these little hostels uh, and they've been receiving help from their relatives or whatnot uh, from overseas. So I started doing that. And somebody at the bank probably told mafia that I'm coming to collect money and one day when I come collect $500 at the bank I see four uh, guys big guys with black jackets look waiting for somebody and I knew I felt I, ha I had this feeling they're coming they're coming to take everything that I'm that I got oh, so the moment I I come out of the bank, I pretend as if nothing is happening. And then I just run. I run for my life. I run. They try to chase me. They're running. And I I don't know how. I, I run really fast, by the way. Really fast. It's, my, it's in DNA. And I, I got into the bus. I was able to escape. And the people who waited for the money, I didn't show up. They were waiting for me. The, uh, it was a woman from Congo. I don't remember exactly. And she thought that I tricked him. So she told everybody in the hostel that this Ali disappeared. And then I came back. They wanted, to, <laughs> they wanted to just beat me. But I said, I have the money. It's just I, I, I have to find a better way because the people in the bank they're in talks with mafia, it's all connected. So I started, I continued doing this. I was collecting money from different banks every time. Like I would spend extra amount of time, but the money was coming. That's the thing, the money was coming and I had the goal and I stopped going to college. Uh, I received, my mom received letters from college that Ali 
uh, owes us, and the college was not free. You have to pay, it was like $100 a month, uh, which my sister helped in the beginning, but then uh, I was paying a little bit just to keep it going. But then at the end, I just like, the way I generate income, I have to apply for this program. So I show up, uh, and the program Camp America is outside of the college. It's just our college participates in the program. So I come to the office of Camp America. I'm still 17 years old. I didn't have the passport at the time. It was still in progress. Uh, and I said, I need to apply. She says, you don't have passport. I said, it's coming. It's just, there is, it's in the works. I came with flowers. I came with a bouquet of foreign chocolate, things that it's hard to get in Ukraine, like really like German chocolate through foreigners. I was, there was a smuggling gang that I got involved with. So we got, she was so impressed. She said, I'm going to launch your application and then I'm going to correct it, backtrack with time. And so it will look as if you're an adult applying for this. So I applied and I already had believed that my name is Ali Fundi. So she, we applied under that name. And so when I came uh, April 7 on my birthday, uh, three days later, uh, you're April 6, uh, <laughs> I received a passport. And I go there and I give her the passport. And I also had the deposit, everything. She says, you are the man of your word. You're already the man. I believe you, you will qualify. So the money is in. And I told her that I'm not going to college. I skipped the college. I said, I don't have grades. I don't know how much they look at the, at the grades. Uh, uh, how do they look at the grades? And uh, she said, well, don't worry. Everything can be manipulated one way or another. So when I applied for Camp America, she said, she was my inside person. I mean, this is unreal. This is just unreal. She says, just fill out that you can do everything. So when I fill out the application, questions like commercial dishwashing machine, commercial drying machine, commercial uh, everything, can you do it? I don't know what this, that is. I have no idea in a remote world. I didn't have computer, no Google. I just said, yes, 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 yes. I can do everything. And she says, okay, everything we have, we just have to wait for invitation. So out of 60 students that applied from my college, uh, 11 or 12, I think 11, got invitations. And I was one of them. So the Christians that received, that didn't receive it, and they saw that I received it and I'm not attending the school. The moment I came back to school and I felt like, okay, I'm kind of there. I just have to go back to school to show that I'm going to school. I was, uh, uh, the, I was attacked by the kids, one of the kids from the school who didn't get invitations. They gathered a group and they beat me in my chest, in my belly, like I was coughing blood. I came back home. I was bleeding. I was just, they, uh, they could have done worse than skinheads. It was, it was more hate violence rather than uh, racism well they called me all kinds of words there as well 
all, all kinds of N-words and that I'm a black mother, I'm a cheater, I use the school, I use Christian system to cheat and just get invitation to go to United States, that I am a scammer, I'm uh, everything, everything, that I'm the biggest, that I'm not Christian, uh, which I'm not. <laughs> uh, so I, I came home, I was bleeding and my mom already saw that she was already so fatigued, tired. She, she gave me consolation. She gave me medicine. Uh, she's a nurse. And she said, Ali, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know. I don't believe this is America. It's going to happen. Nobody believed. Nobody. Um, she said, there is so much ripoffs. There is so much scam. But I said, I, I, I believe, uh, and I just shut down in my room. I will just shut down because I didn't want to talk to anybody who doesn't believe, who thinks that it's not going to work. Uh, so when the invitation comes, it came from the state of Iowa, uh, Camp Mitigua, Iowa. So it's a Boy Scouts camp in Iowa. And when the invitation came, uh, the, the woman that worked on my, um, invitation the woman that worked at the boys at the camp agent so the agent for the camp that sends people to United States as a college students to work in the camp the ones I brought the flowers and everything she she said Ali this camp uh, I only I only know one person who went there it was very hard camp uh, because you feel <laughs> the application we filled out we wanted to make sure you get invitation but it's gonna be tough uh, I she said only in fact, I never sent anybody from Ukraine there. I know people went there. They had very bad reviews. I said, it doesn't matter. I will be, if I can make it, I will make it. She says, well, you have to go through embassy interview. And this was one of my biggest moments. Uh, this was May 30th, 20, 2005. At the embassy, they decide... They look at your paperwork and they decide whether they let you to United States or not, because I already got invitation. So the paperwork looks good. I don't have my grades for the whole year to uh, the second year of school. Um, and um, so I approach, so I come to the embassy early morning, all my paperwork is ready, everything. And I try to be so careful not to, uh, I took taxi uh, so that I don't get involved with any skinheads, like no attacks. Like, and I asked my mom to pray. Th my mom was praying for me. Uh, she said, I'm going to pray for the well-being. I mean, if it's embassy, it must be something must be happening. So I'm at the embassy and I see these other guys from uh, the college, my college, who thought that I'm already probably dead. Uh, they were just looking at me shocked that I'm there, that I made it that far. I'm at the embassy. I have all the paperwork because I vanished. Nobody knew about me. Nobody knew of anything. I just disappeared. Uh, so I'm at the car. Uh, I'm at the, and it's my time. So the three students before me who were looking at me with anger, they got rejection. And, and now I'm going into that window and I don't know what to expect. So the interview begins uh, with, uh, there is this, I forgot his name. 
um, he was this bold man. He really looked like a skinhead in a way, which was even more scary. He was just bald-headed American uh, looking at me and asking me questions like, where am I from? Where is my father from? Is my father in the United States? I said, no. Is he, do you, do you keep in touch with him? No. Uh, then he looks at my name, uh, Ali Fundi. He says, you're under your father's name? Yes. And I'm just like praying that he doesn't look anywhere deeper. And so he looks at my grades. He says, so do you like the school? Are you, uh, it's a Christian college. I said, yes, it's Christian. So, so I'm going with the plot. I'm, I'm consciously lying that I'm Christian, that I'm going, that I'm uh, trying to be a good student. And, um, And so then he's asking me why he keeps, uh, he's, they're supposed to ask you questions about your school, but he's asking me about my father, about mother, these personal things, where is he? And then he says, okay. and then he takes this red stamp, which is rejection. He said, he just holds it and says, how are you gonna prove that you're gonna be back from States in three months? And I'm just standing there, my heart is just trembling. I know that everything right now <laughs> the the destiny is in his hand, and I just I just throwing everything at him. I said, you know, I I am the only father for my family. I supply for my mom. I help support her. I I help whatever my younger sister. I'm I'm like a father for her. I try to go to school at the same time. I do everything I can in my hands to to be a good man and i uh and i'm happy for the opportunity at the, at the college that has given me i learned some christian morals uh, which is true you know there are good morals there and and i don't know why at the end i said i wanted to see disneyland <laughs> i said my dream is to see disneyland <laughs> i don't know where it came from he looks at me, he says, I'm actually from Pasadena. I don't know where Pasadena is, somewhere in LA. I'm from Pasadena. My kids love Disneyland. He started smiling. He says, Disneyland. My kids love Disneyland. No one ever said that. This is so cool. He takes the blue stamp, approved. I, I just, I, I look at him. I try to like push my hands through the glass and say thank you he completely shuts the glass gives throws back passport and gone i'm in tears i don't know what happened all i know that i am approved i'm coming out the guys from the school thought that i got rejection because i was crying and it made them feel better i think Obviously, they were just, everybody thought that I got rejected. Maybe even till this day, I don't know. I mean, they know already with social media, but at the time, everyone thought that I got rejected and I just came home. I didn't say a word. I just, I said, mom, it's approval. And we need to get the ticket. The ticket came next day for June 8th. June 7, June 8, 2005. I'm...
I, I there is a picture we took with mom. She didn't believe. She says this is unreal. <laughs> we we go I said sorry Ma, for everything I'll try I'll make it out I'll see how it goes I'll just see I'll see how it goes I don't know. I believe everything will be fine. So we arrive at the at the airport. The people there was so much jealousy in the air from air people that work at the airport. They see this black, dark skinned guy leaving the country. And I said, Mom, I'm not coming back no matter what it is. I know it's just three months visa. It's three months, but I'll find a way. She was, <sighs> and I know there'll be no connection. I don't know. I'm going where I'm going. So I'm going. So I flew. Uh, we came to, it was Kiev, Munich, Munich, Washington, D.C., Washington, D.C., uh, Denver, and then Denver, Des Moines. It was 40-hour flight, and I was so happy. And um, one of the moments in Denver, I, I, I was, the layover, something happened. I didn't get the plane on the plane. And I was so scared. I didn't know, where am I? I'm in Denver. And I approached attendance. Thankfully, I spoke English at the time. Not as good as now, but I said, I, I have a flight. I, I fly to, I said, I fly to Camp Mitigua, Boone. My plane left and I'm here. And this woman just prints out me a new ticket. She says, welcome to the United States. <laughs> and I felt, I felt home. I felt, I felt home. I felt immediately. I said, I, this is the place where I need to be. This is, I'm going to make it. I'm, I will find a way. So, so I come to the Iowa. And the uh, first thing I see is this, the woman that met me, the, the manager for the camp. She, uh, she, she was so such big woman, so oversized. I've never seen people like that my whole life. And then first thing when she saw me, she says, Ali, are you Ali from Ukraine? You look like the black guy on the street. <laughs> Something like that. And I, <laughs> she was so shocked to see me. This guy, you know, it's like, it doesn't, it didn't make sense uh, that I look dark black and I'm from Ukraine. I, I was so happy. And so she's like, hop in my, she had this old century, Buick century 
we hopped in and we drive. Uh, um, we stopped at McDonald's. I remember I tried a bite. It was so disgusting. I was so disgusting. I realized how it was a drive-through too, a drive-through. I was like, wow. And I, I started, things started to click. Drive-through mentality, America, drive-through people. And I look at people around, oversized. And I'm like skinny, lean, in the survival mode. And I'm like, I can, I can do this. I can make it. I can make it. So we're arriving in Camp Mitigua. And I'm the last guy who arrived at the, at the Boy Scouts camp. They already started working. And I didn't know what the job, I didn't know why I applied for. I, I have no idea what I subscribed for. All I knew is that I'm, I will be in the Boy Scouts camp working in the kitchen. What do I do? Nothing, I suppose. So when I arrived, uh, there were five guys from Poland and one guy from Russia. I spoke some Polish. I understood some Polish. But the Russian guy, the Armenian, there was this Russian Armenian guy who was just like so negative about everything. He was so negative. He's like, oh, fuck, you, you finally came. Fuck this, fuck that. He's like, this is a slave camp. We are working here. There is four. So when I came, there was 500 kids. Before I came, there was 500 kids. When I came, the exactly same day, there was extra children. So 650 kids total. And we have to cook food for 650 kids. He says, you're going to be, we're waking up at 4 a.m. And we're there pretty much with intermittent breaks until 10, 9 p.m. Cooking and cleaning, cooking and cleaning, cooking and cleaning. Uh, I didn't even read the contract when I came to States. Um, all I knew that it's like uh, $1,000. So they pay you $1,000 after two months uh, and you work there. I don't know how many hours you work. I haven't, didn't, didn't matter, uh, just didn't care. Uh, and he, he, I was told that it's gonna be tough. And we're sleeping in tents. So big tents, uh, imagine you have like reindeer running around, raccoons, uh, like all of a sudden I'm in a tent. I never, in, even in a refugee camp, there were no tents. Uh, <laughs> so, but it's, it's supposed to be summer camp, Boy Scout. Uh, so I'm, I'm okay with it. We start working, uh, we wake up early morning and uh, I need to chop. So the first thing I understood that there is the food, there was a lot of bacon, a lot of, uh, a lot of greasy food, corn. Um, and I had to chop onions and I, I, I see that I'm not doing well. And the manager, this lady, Anita, uh, we, we called her four by four because of the size. Uh, and uh, she was just looking at me and, and she's just telling me that I'm not doing things as fast as everybody else. Like I'm slow, I'm not doing it. And so she's like, okay, Ali, move away from here. Go, this is on my first day. Go, there is this commercial and this commercial stove that I remember on application. Now I see it. It's huge stove from the beginning of this room, to pretty much maybe five meters long. 
because you have frying pans all over the place, like all over, all over. And you have to watch them all because the kids are waiting. Uh, and you hear the kids already there and they're like uh, screaming and stuff. And you, I feel the pressure. And I, I never cooked my whole life. I, I mean, pretty much my, I was spoon fed by my mom until 18. So I, I, take, uh, I take the frying pan and uh, it started shooting like it, was, it had bacon in there, but someone forgot to decrease the fire or something. It shot me in the eye. Something shot me. I lost the balance and it flipped. The oil flipped. I still have uh, here on my finger, like, it's kind of hard to show, but I have this coloration here, right in the middle. It was a first degree burn. It just, and my two fingers were attached like this. And I yell, I scream, like, ah, this woman, I need a rolls because she cannot run or walk and says, shut the fuck up. I don't want kids to hear you yell. Don't scare my children. Get the fuck out of the kitchen. And I, my Polish friend, he put a toothpaste and Band-Aid toothpaste supposed to uh, eliminate the pain and just like a painkiller. And I'm out of the kitchen and I realized that I'm burning, I'm hurting. It doesn't feel right. And the same evening, Anita, so Anita tells me not to come to the kitchen. And that evening she calls me into the office. And she said, I saw how you work. You are a liar. And in America, we don't take people like that. You, you lied on your resume, you lied on application. You don't know, you don't know anything about this. She said it in more intense way with, yeah. She says, she basically, she called me a liar, which was true. Um, and I said, well, I, I said, I, I cannot go back to Ukraine. She says, no, it's not about that. It's about you being deceptive. It's, I don't care about your background, your history. You lied to make your way here and kids will not get food from you because you don't know how to cook. So she said, I'm going, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna file a paperwork and send you back to Ukraine, send you back because you, you, you know, you have injury, you, you, you are not qualified for work. I saw she, she watched me the whole day. And uh, yeah, I was just, I was not doing, I was not doing a good job. So I, uh, uh, I didn't know what to do. I, I thought to myself, okay, I only have $24. That's all I have left. The last hundred dollars I spent on buying a CD player, which I was debating because I needed some music just to keep myself calm or positive, something. And so I, I was left with just $24. I was thinking that we get thousand dollars like every week or, you know, it's like it's being spread out in uh, cycles or something, but they only pay you at the end. So. I was just, 
I mean, I was 18 years old. I didn't know anything. Uh, so I, I was developing a plan to escape, to escape the camp, uh, to run away because I'm going to be deported again. If, and if I'm deported again, I mean, I'm, my, I'm blacklisted. I'm, I'm not going to, that's over. It's over. And I said to myself, I'm going to run. So I took my backpack that evening and I started for, to look for ways out, to look for ways out, look out. And uh, I was wandering around the, the camp. It was dark uh, and I, I kind of got lost. I really didn't know where I was going. I came to the fence because it was fenced campground. And I just thought, I don't know where I'm going. I, I, I started like doubting myself. Where am I going to go? Where? And one of the camp guys, one of the kids from the camp, like maybe 11, 12 years old guys, he, uh, he found me with a flashlight. He's like, whoa, where are you going? I lied again. I said, I got lost. I said, I, I had a backpack. I said, I, I was just, I lost. He says, oh, let me bring you back to the camp. So I went back, I came back and I was thinking to myself, what can I do? I mean, if I, if there is nowhere to go, uh, how can I escape? So the whole night I didn't sleep. I was praying. I was praying to all, all everything I could pray, really. Uh, God, universe, Jesus, everything that I remembered, my, my father, uh, Masai, entities and guy jesus muhammad everything everything just just calling for something and i um there is an idea that came to me because i realized that when they file paperwork to send somebody back it doesn't happen instant it takes four days five days so all this time what i'm doing sitting and doing nothing uh so i had an idea where I would go into the kitchen and I will just help with cleaning and do some other work, but also uh, restructure the kitchen. So the way it was working is, imagine the kids are here, the counter is here and we are here. We put food on the counter, kids collect it from the counter and go back. I wanted to eliminate this counter and be the server. So take the food and deliver straight to the table. Somehow, when we went through drive-through of McDonald's, I realized the drive-through mentality that people are lazy. People need food to be delivered because kids will be bunching up at the counter and get mad. And uh, I had this revelation. So next morning, I went to Anita. I said, "Well, I have an idea. Uh, I can help kitchen while you do the paperwork. I don't want to be sitting." And my finger still hurts, but I, I want to help. I want to try. I have this idea of serving, and then I will be cleaning, uh, but I'm not going to be cooking. Uh, she says, no, you're a liar. I don't want to talk. I don't want any of your ideas, nothing. You, you are just uh, whatever you say. I saw what you work, your action proof. So I went to this guy who runs the camp, Scott. I know he was the main, he was not in charge of kitchen like Anita. He was the guy who runs the whole camp. I told him the situation. I said, I really, and I also know that 
I understood that everywhere in the world, hard labor is valuable. Like if you prove labor that you want to work, you have to be put to work. I said, I really want to work. Uh, I mean, these people are conservative over there. I didn't even know about the time, but I saw that they are working labor people. And I said, I have an idea. I want to work while you process. I don't want to sit and do nothing. I'm willing to work and uh, you can send me back uh, whenever it is, but I will do some kind of work. And I offered him this plan and he says, so it means I don't have to stand up and wait to get a food. I'm like, yes, you don't have to. So he said, okay. Uh, I asked my friends to wake up a little bit earlier. So initially we were starting waking up at 4 a.m. Initially we were like 4.30, but 30 minutes earlier, I asked them to do this thing and I'll do be the service. So I will take food directly from where they cook and have kids uh, go to their tables. It was so hard to do. I cannot even describe you the pudding. You know, I had some things fall from the tray. I never served my whole life. I only, I only saw that in restaurants, uh, but I realized that it's going to be better. And so breakfast, dinner, I did this and then I was cleaning up. I ran uh, all the dishwashing machines. Uh, you know, we're still finger was still hurting and I was doing it day two. And on a, on a second or third day, uh, because I run so fast, I got so much faster. The kids were calling me Roadrunner. So they were screaming, Roadrunner, Roadrunner. I didn't know what Roadrunner is, really. And then I re uh, later, I was told there is a cartoon, like, peek, peek, uh, So, And they called Roadrunner. And they liked the fact that I was going so fast, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and uh, tried to smile through the pain. <laughs> uh, Scott comes over to me. He said, you know, our camp has been existing for seven or eight years and we haven't, I never experienced anything like this. Uh, and the parents are happy that they don't have to stand in line. And uh, I talked to Anita and I want, I want you to be here. Just, we agree that you're going to be doing the dirty work uh, and you're going to be serving, but keep going what you're doing. Great job. I was just, Wow. At that time, I was so fatigued. I didn't even have, I didn't even have tears. I, I was just was like, okay, I I surrender and I'm I'm gonna do it. Thank you for joining me in experiencing Ali's story thus far. Please make sure that you find him on social media now and send him all kinds of love. His links are in the show notes. And keep an eye out. The next chapter of Ali's story will be released in just two days. If you are enjoying this series, please share, rate, review, and subscribe. I am sending you so much love, and I'll see you soon. Thank you.